This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. Welcome back once again to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So today's special guest is a very dear friend of mine who I have known for, gosh, how long now, Trevor? Uh, three, four, five years it would come out to about four, four, five years. Yes, for sure. Let's do it. Yes. So Trevor is currently located uh, down in Brazil because he can't get back home. Yeah. Uh, but he story. made it just in time to visit his wife down there before COVID kicked in. But what Trevor specializes in is website ADA compliance. And this is a very interesting subject to my, to me because I didn't even know that by law that we had to get our invo- our our websites have our websites completely compliant for ADA. And so we're going to let Trevor, you know, lead us down this path that we need to be taking as business owners to protect ourselves from what could potentially be a very costly mistake. So let's all welcome to the Charged Up Studio podcast, Mr. Trevor Gibbs. Hello, Trevor. Hey, Dana. Thank you very much for this uh, opportunity. And uh, everyone who's listening, good morning to you. And hopefully we'll share this pathway and hopefully we'll learn something new along the way. It's a very interesting subject. And uh, when I first got into this, uh, at first I was like most a, a disbeliever. I, I'd heard prior, probably about six, seven years ago, that it was a, an ethical thing to do because having come from the UK, a lot of websites there were doing it for the main reasons, you know, of, oh, uh, we, are we excluding somebody? Well, we can't have that. Let's make sure we it, make it an inclusive decision. Once I heard about this here in the US, it was a whole different board game and right. it has legal implications. So, so yeah, let's, very interesting. Let's start from the beginning first, okay? Sure. Um, you have always been involved in technology websites, more on the nonprofit side, but now you've mo- you've moved into this ADA compliance because you see a need for this. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about your history and what you've been doing for the last 20 months? <laughs> oh, well, you know, um, as you said, yeah, I've been in technology for multiple of 20, 30 years, uh, different various shapes and forms. 
and you know having started off with a marketing company and then we really focused in the uk with non-profits and that's where the non-profit uh, bug bit me and it, it never let go through the the years obviously using technology because non-profits are tend to be one of the industries that didn't believe technology was suited to them and it's suited to everybody it's just the way you have to think about using it to amend to the needs that you have uh, so yes, the, that technology bug once I was here in the US was something that would grow and it really helps those small, medium nonprofits to engage with their community and their donors. And, you know, that's what really drove this. And that's how I got onto this ADA compliance. I was at, I uh, can't remember the, the name, of it, but it was a networking group that met once and talking about strategizing for nonprofits. And at that point, I had a nice back screen demonstrating a mobile app I'd created for my client QR code. And the gentleman there scanned it and came across and kind of said, oh, questions. Yes, uh, Trevor, interested in your uh, app here and the website that you've got for the nonprofit. And yes. Why didn't you make it compliant? Well, I didn't make the website. Yes, but that doesn't matter. You know, there is a requirement to make sure that you don't alienate anybody or uh, leave anybody uh, out from your website or from your technology uh, circumstances. So that way you cannot be, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You, ju you just cannot, uh, my mind's gone black on that, I don't know why, but you just cannot uh, leave people alienated or excluded. That's the word I'm looking for. You can't exclude people just because of technology, You've got to make it all inclusive. So long story short, I, I did some homework and found out, yes, there is a legal requirement. 95% of websites have no accessibility at all. Six, 600 websites are produced every hour in the whole world. And when it comes to development, if anybody's in marketing, they will think, well, we all talk about SEO marketing. Well, SEO marketing, in very simplistic terms, when it relates to ADA, is when you've got your images on your website. If you don't put an alternative text description there describing what images are, Google cannot do a rank on the words you use to describe those images to help boost your website. That same technology, that same description is then used for people with uh, screen readers to understand what was actually in the picture they couldn't see in the first place. Mm. So you've actually got two needs with one solution, which I think mm. we thought was ideal. Mm. When we all um, go to learn new skills, when we build websites, we're told this, but we don't think about the inclusive side of it. Right, right, wow. You know, um, so, so, you know, uh, as small business owners, you know, we'll go into Wix, you know, a lot of them will go into the easy like Stripe and Wix and things like that to build their websites. And they don't understand about the ADA compliance and things like that. Can you kind of give us an idea of what is considered ADA compliant uh, designs? Mm -hmm. what, what should we be considering when we are developing our websites? Well, first of all, is I would always say if you, when you do a website for yourself, 
read the WCAG guidelines, some knowledge about what's required. You know, mm-hmm. It can be for people with auditive uh, problems, so therefore you've got to think about closed caption on videos. Could be something where you've, like I just briefly mentioned, you have an image. That image in itself needs to have an alternative text descriptor. And the longer that text descriptor is, the better it is. Because not only does it help with the SEO rankings, mm-hmm. the more you describe a picture. If um, you took my background at the moment, you can see there's a hand holding the phone. Well, okay, but it doesn't say much. But if I was actually to describe it a little bit more, I, I could say a lady's hand with painted um, red uh, fingernails holding a phone, pressing the screen. So now I can build up that image of exactly as opposed to a hand holding the phone. We might have to say it's a smartphone as opposed to a phone. Just changing a couple of little text words makes a big improvement for the visually impaired. Now, of course, we have to think of things like, do you have flash or moving objects on there? People with ADHD and epilepsy, these sort of things can trigger that. People with colored blindness. You know, uh, I've seen some companies and let's take McDonald's, a brand that we all know, their color is a bright red and a bright yellow. Well, for some people, if you put that on a website, that could be too glaring. That could actually start triggering certain people to lose concentration on the website in which they're using because it's too bright. I really want to maybe take that shade down 50%, maybe 80% because it's too bright for me. Now, when you think about that, you think, well, I've now got a design element. How do I design what I love to be my company logo, my company branding to suit all? Well, I like my design. I want it. And why shouldn't you? You should have that. What we need to provide is a tool for those people that may find it's too bright for them to make it a lower oh, yeah. contrast ah. or, or, or in reverse. So that way you as the business owner can still keep your own branding. You can uh, have your graphic designers to design something that you like because that's why you want to stand out in the crowd. Wow. This can, talk about, this can get pretty costly doing things like this. It can when it's custom made. Yes, it really can. And, mm-hmm. I, and I can see why a small business owner will look out and say, well, it's not necessary. I, I can't afford to do that at the moment, which is why I found a solution because working for a nonprofit like most small businesses, their budgets are not dedicated to tech and marketing. It's, it's all the main cost is running the, the nonprofit and fundraising. Everything mm. else has to come out at, at a cost and it has to be justified at a reasonable cost. So your solution has to be simple. Yeah. I can help with that simple solution. And you have to take, like in most businesses, If you start off and say, well, can I be 100% compliant? Well, do we live in utopia where everything is 100% perfect? No. But but the most ratio that we look at is the 80-20 rule. And if most people understand the 80-20 rule, let's address that first. Because for the 20% we might not address today, let's say, I understand that there is a need. I understand that I'm doing my best to address the majority. But if there's a specific need that I have not addressed, please address it with me personally. And together we can help you to resolve any 
complications of using my website. So let's that's, that's an ethical way. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the compliant issues. Like you took a look at my website and you said that there were some areas that were very compliant and then there were some areas that I needed to work on. Um, one of the areas that you talked about is the size of the type. Correct. Okay. What is yes. a minimum type size that should be used? Uh Depends on how you format the whole whole thing, but you know if you want to use a, a point section, eighteen is great. Now some people say, well, eighteen is too big. Yeah. It also depends, but it also depends on the font that you're using. Yeah. Yeah. Now anybody that's written, uh, if you put everything in Word, and you then take that out and put it onto a website, that ten or twelve is small. Right. So getting to 18 on a lot of fonts is not really that bad. I noticed that the, the, the sizes are different between online and, you know, web, web-based fonts and, um, you know, the word fonts and things yes. like that. One uses the term point and the other uses pixels. Okay. So okay. depending on who's doing it or where you're actually creating the text version, that okay. is where... People is going to get confused. Doesn't it but also I, depend on the resolution of your screen and stuff like that too? It does. It does. And that's why you can't say font 18 is ideal because if I have a very high ratio screen resolution, I could make that 18 font look like a, a, a 10. Mm -hmm. If it's a, a screen where I'm not very um, important about high resolution, it could look like it's a font size 36. Hmm. So how, how would a web designer deal with that today, even without the compliance? Well, yeah. that's, that's again, where you can have a lot of imagery auto-sizing and a lot of that text can auto-size as well to adjust itself to the screens, which is where you come across about having mobile-friendly websites. That's what right. that does. It's adaptive. Okay, okay. So what else are compliancy um, issues? Well, uh, color contrast is one. The standard industry would be four and a half to one. So for argument's sake, if you think of white, gray, charcoal, gray, and black, well, which colors are most prominent on a website today? Most people use a white background or an off-white background, and then they put gray text over it. That ratio contrast is not four and a half. And that's where probably 80% of websites fail on the first step. Now, okay. could, if, I, if I think black is too harsh, which sometimes it can be, uh, that contrast can be really hard against a white background. I could use a charcoal dark gray for that. Or even, which a lot of people will forget to use, if we ever thought about using navy blue. Mm -hmm. Navy mm -hmm. blue, again, it's a little bit softer than black but it also has the color depth of blackness in there. Hmm. Hmm. Boy. <laughs> so, so what has brought all of this about um, the, you know, as far as why is it so important now to really be, um, you know, cognizant of your site being ADA compliant? What's, what's driving all this? There's two, there's two aspects of that. 
And the first one, I, I, I'll address because I don't like it. And we'll, we'll get the, the elephant out of the room straight away. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Well, uh, I have a, a saying that anything you may say or anything that you may do means I can sue you. And that's very uh, relevant here in the United States. And because of that, most actions are taken when people get sued. If you get sued, most uh, businesses are going to think twice. Well, I don't want to be sued. What am I going to do? I need to protect my reputation. So therefore, I'll settle out of court first and I will take that route. Now, because of that legal side of it, Unfortunately, there are unethical people in every industry and there are, people can easily research on the internet for named lawyers who would be uh, handicapped or disabled, depending, again, we don't want to be offensive because in the UK, handicapped is more offensive than disabled, but, but here in the US, it's not. So I don't want to put my foot in it there either. But if you did a research there, you'll find that there are some lawyers that just really spend most of their time tracking websites and businesses to raise those lawsuits so they can make money. Now, some right. of them can make anywhere from $7 million a year. Um, and there are some people who are just with a disability that has no legal background. Uh, we have one in Florida. Uh, she was based in near Tampa. Last year, she raised 150 cases against small local businesses. Why? Because they were local to her. She was also at home like all of us. So anything that she wanted to go and purchase online, if the website wasn't compliant, there was a lawsuit case for. Out of that 150, 24 of them are no longer in business this year. Why wow. would that be? Now, I'm not saying the, this lawsuit put them out of business, but no. we're, we're still in recovery mode. If you're right. struggling and you get a large lawsuit, well, your reputation is everything. You don't want your few customers that are being loyal to you to know that you have a lawsuit because your website's not compliant. Right. So therefore, you want to send this away very quietly. But if you're suffering with business and you're struggling to pay staff wages or keep stock on the shelves because you now have to pay higher prices, it was easier for those uh, small businesses to go out of business, take the website down, wait for the storm to pass. And I'm hoping that while they've negated that legal aspect, they wow. may come back into business in 22 or sometime soon, or they'll be doing something newer. So what you're saying is that there are some attorneys out there that are taking a proactive, although possibly um, underhanded approach to making money by filing suits against these small companies or even large companies, yes. you know, um, just to line their own pockets, not Correct. that they're being affected themselves personally, so they don't have to be mm -hmm. disabled or no. handicapped or anything like that. They could bring those suits themselves. They can. By law, our website should be ADA compliant. Correct. Yes. It's oh. a very easy way because you see, if you have a disabled person making the claim, if it goes to court, then the judge is more sympathetic for obvious reasons. Now, if, if not, anybody can raise a lawsuit for a website not be compliant because they're doing it on the behalf of the disability community. It's unfair. It, shouldn't, it should be right that ethically we should address everybody and we should alienate everyone. And this is a very good common uh, conversation I think we can have 
on many topics, alienation right. to other human beings in this last couple of years is very prevalent. Doesn't matter whether it's a, a racial thing, whether it's a, uh, a language or a disability. Alienation, and I think that's a nicer way to put that, encompasses, well, if we disallow certain people the same equal quality as everybody else, we're not being fair. Mm. Now, the thing about if a disabled person raises a lawsuit against you, don't take it out against them, because unless you're in California, none of these people with a disability earn anything from the lawsuit. They're yeah, not allowed to. Going to the attorney. It's all going to the attorney. They're not allowed wow. to. Unless wow. you're in California, there is a rule called the UNRWA rule, and that UNRWA rule actually does pay damages to people in California. People in wow. California could actually raise the lawsuit in any state, and any state in which you sit, you can raise a lawsuit against any website owner in any other state as well. Now, I know when um, when you have a trademark issue or an IP issue or something like that and a lawsuit is brought to a company, uh, just closing it down, closing down your website or whatever, does not get rid of that lawsuit. Is that no. the case here? It continues even if you go out of business and, you know. If it's gone to court, then it's going to follow the same legal procedures as it would have anyhow. If it has not gone to court. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I wouldn't know on this. I think it may depend on the type of lawyer and say, well, look, I can't pay that. I'm going to go out of business. So you're actually going to be trying to sue me for, for zero. I'm, I can only surmise. I, I wouldn't know. But if a lawyer is targeting a small business, theoretically, they know they have a few thousand dollars maybe $5,000, $15,000 to settle out in court. They haven't got that. They're going out of business. That's a, that's a hard lawsuit to take them to court and try and sue them. Right. For that small, for that small amount of money. Right. You know, I, it, it, it kind of makes me nervous, you know, because I've got three websites of my you own. Have. I know. You know. And that kind of makes me nervous. And one of which is getting ready to go to market, you know, um, and, so I, you know, it's almost scary to think about bringing attention to the brand and that website when this is going on out there, yes. you know. Now, I know that you have, um, you've run my sites through your, your platform, you, you know, mm -hmm. that you, your app right. that you have, and that there's some work that has to be done on the sites, you know, and stuff like that. But you said that there's, the, that reaching 100% ADA compliant is not being realistic, okay? What is the threshold for compliance? There are three levels of uh, compliance. There's an A, AA, and AAA. Industry standard, if we were to go to court and everybody else is working to AA standard. As I, uh, the color ratio is, is one of them. And we'll come back to that because I think people would understand that if you think of, of brightness. If mm -hmm. you're working on AA standard, that ratio is four and a half times to one on a AA standard. On a AAA standard, it's eight to one. Imagine what the, how bright the text would be on all your images and on all the text you write if the color ratio contrast 
was eight to one. That's going to limit a lot. So that could be a little bit unfair. So I don't see everything would be on your website would be eight to one. Some parts okay. might, but some parts might not. So you yeah. couldn't achieve that perfect result. And also we have to consider that a person with one disability is easier to address than a person with maybe two or three different types of disabilities. Once you get in with people with multiple disabilities, we're now coming down to every person is almost unique depending upon the types of disabilities they have. Right, right. And with COVID being coming out now, we're getting more and more people with cognitive disorders, which is a disability or disabilitating factor. Could be long-term, could be permanent. So, you know, in your website, you know, for instance, you were talking about flash, you know, and things like that. Those are kind of, you know, um, not only they are they inhibited, or I guess you'd call it inhibited for those who have a uh, sensitivity to them. Okay. Yes. But mm-hmm. not only that, I think more and more of the sites are getting away from flash, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of them yes. are getting away. And, um, and just going with, you know, WordPress or, you know, something to that effect. But um, where I was going is there was a time where all your sites, a great deal of your sites were just black background with, you know, stark type on top of it, you know, and things like that. Now, a lot of that has, has dissipated. But what you're saying is that black background is a deterrent for someone who has um, difficulty with color and, and, you know, color sensitivity and, and mm-hmm. things like that, right? Correct. Because okay. if you're going to put uh, a high font of mm-hmm. bright white on black, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the two extremes. So now you need to find a, a better contrast. Now, mm-hmm. that might work for me. I had a conversation with with two guys today. Both of them have visual impairment issues Mm -hmm. of some kind. One says, oh, I noticed that when I look at the website, all these bright colors are a bit too bright. And, oh, I'm glad you reduced that. I made it easier for me to see. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the other guy went, yeah, but for me, I'll be the other way. I want the one that actually helps it to be oversaturated. Hmm. Two people sat at the same point looking at the, the screen in which I shared. Now, imagine mm-hmm. if they're on their own computers, they can adjust it to their own liking. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. One was quite happy to have the black background. The other one was happy to have it white. It's yeah. giving choice. It's giving choice is what it is. And I know. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have color issues or anything like that, but I just know I like a clean, clean site. You know, something that is yes. not got a lot of black or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, it can have a lot of images on it, yep. you know, but I like them clean mm-hmm. with a white background, you know, the whole bit. So, And that's the bit which I think when you've got graphic designers, web developers and business owners, when you're thinking of brand and content, you should have a degree of element thinking, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why shouldn't why shouldn't you, you know, right could we, could we suddenly go along to let's say mcdonald's and coca-cola and get right. them to change the contrast of those bright reds 
mm-hmm. on their website to let's say a wishy-washy pink well mm-hmm. now now we're starting to think of probably another brand names right because right you okay. want to stand out okay okay so what's wcag it's the um wcag is the worldwide um uh compliance worldwide, yeah content accessibility guide ah okay okay so you can get that online if need be you, right you you can get yeah. it online you can even go to very simple if you know what ada is there is an ada.org website and it will have it on there okay so <laughs> being ada compliant does not necessarily mean that you have to have um um subtitles right or anything like that on your videos does it it does that is part it of does. it yes uh-huh. uh the ada is the american disabilities act the american disability that's signed by president bush in 1991 originally was for bricks and mortar in 2000 mm-hmm. they addressed that it should really include websites mm-hmm. the department of justice wrote a statement saying that all websites should follow the same rules of places of public accommodation under section right. three of the ADA. So you don't actually become ADA compliant. You probably become more WCAG compliant because those are the rules relating to websites. Mm. ADA is more related to the buildings and the infrastructure in where we live. Things that would also include in that would be the ramp on the, the, the street corner the ramps mm-hmm. and steps, the elevators. Well, mm-hmm. So there's lots of power in the ADA. So you're more likely, don't to say I'm going to be ADA compliant, it's a ruling of the ADA and it's right. all branded there, but really the compliance has come from the WCAG. Mm, okay. They are the, that's the guidelines you would follow. All right, all right, interesting, interesting. So, you know, we're get, we're coming up on the end of another podcast here and Trevor, can you tell um, our audience, are there any tips, first of all, you want to leave with us? Well, first of all, uh, bear in mind, when when you're thinking about people with disabilities, approximately one in four people in America have a form of disability. So if you went into business to probably serve all, but if you're alienating one quarter of your customers, that should be a concern. 92% of people with disabilities are brand loyal, believe it or not, they're brand loyal. And they don't care about your brand name or the price they pay. They want a great service and being able to do that equally in the same realms as anybody else freely will bring that brand loyalty more so than the customer service that you follow up with. They have a great experience. They're going to tell their disability community, work with this company here because they did a great service. Right. When you think of spending online, who spends more per capita? Regular people or people with disabilities? Actually, people with disabilities, because they spend most of their time at home doing online shopping. Mm. They don't always want to be going out to the local stores, because if I don't feel like it today, I don't have to. Yeah. A lot of us, when we do that, say, oh, let's go out for the shopping experience. For somebody maybe in a wheelchair or somebody with some vision impairment or even auditive issues, think of 
I have to do this in the day that is suitable to me. Maybe a Saturday afternoon at the supermarket isn't the best time for me to go because it's too crowded. I'll right. do it online. Right. But a lot of us don't have a choice of what time we can go shopping. People have mm. the freedom of choice to shop 24-7 these days. Mm. And how many of us really like to do it from the comfort of our own cell phone, laptop, tablet, computer at home? For example, 9.30 on a Sunday evening. Well, I tell you what, since COVID started, that's all I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's why yeah. the online sales have peaked and grown. Was it $330 billion are spent online? Yeah. 60-odd yeah. wow. odd billion were spent by the disability community, which was about just over 30% of the wow. whole thing. But we're mm-hmm. talking about only 25% of the population. Mm. So um, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Um, do you have any special offer or anything you want to give our listeners? Um, you know, any of that? Sure. Uh, we, we have a solution. Uh, depends on the size of your website. What it is, it's a, a user interface where the person of any disability or even not a disability can come along and put an interface on your website. There is a setup setup fee uh, for that. And for that, anybody that comes along via here, I will easily give them a 30% discount on their setup fee. And on their annual fee, because it is a monthly paid subscription, because it does give you uh, automation. It checks your website every 24 hours. It gives you a compliance statement, which is very hard to find, especially from a web designer. But we will Mm -hmm. do that. And of course, if there are any changes or updates needed, you don't have to pay extra to include extra onto your website. If you have a blog for argument's sake and you've got three extra blogs on there, you don't pay extra because you've got extra blogs there. No. Once we set up the website, it runs. And the other option is that we can give you a free month if you decide to pay for an annual uh, fee. Those fees generally can start as low as $59 a month up to $99 a month. It all okay. depends on the number of pages on your website. Okay, okay. Um, and how can they get a hold of you? Well, the, you can uh, use my uh, phone number, which will be 407-360-3781. And of course, you can always use that as a text message service. They can either come uh, refer to you directly, Dana, which is always a great one. You can always find me on uh, LinkedIn. And I'm there as Trevor Gibbs. Um, company names that you may come across is something like Charity Revolution or Data Revolution. So it's kind of easy to find. And apart from that, uh, of course, I've got my email, Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R, again, at charityrevolution.com. All right. So that concludes our episode for today. So please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on or go to Charged Up Studio's Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. 
We look forward to talking more with you next week when we will be spending our time with another exciting guest eager to help small business owners like yourselves. Talk to you then and go out and have another charged up week. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.